Today is Tuesday, April 6th, 2010, and this is Make It So. Welcome back to the Make It So podcast. This is episode number 12. I'm Charlie Plain, and with me, as usual, is my cohort, the 2009 second edition world champion, Mr. Nielsen. Challenge number six is done. The Federation took revenge against the board, tying the score up one and one. What are your thoughts on that? I still think that the, the competition is very tight. I think there were a couple of errors made on both sides. But there was also a couple of really nice cards made on both sides. And I think it just kind of came down to the board having a couple more errors in the Federation. As a player, there's a couple cards on each side that I, I, I kind of secretly hope to uh, make it into the game when we're all finished. I definitely agree that there were only a couple cards on each side that were really wow cards. But this was a tough, tough challenge. Making cards that capture the essence of an image is, is very hard to do, and it's not something that's done very often. There are, are co only a couple situations where this might happen. If the art team wants to use a specific image on pack art or for promotion for the website, but this was a tough challenge, and it was it was it's certainly a difficult task to ask any designer to do. Don't feel bad that, you know, a lot of people weren't very excited about a lot of your cards, because this is, this is very hard to do, and I think everybody did a good job, given the difficulty of this particular challenge. But remember also, when normal sets are being developed, in past Decipher days of 120-card sets, or in future days of 45-card sets, uh, you may see 90 or 100 cards hit the test file when only 45 cards are actually going to hit the, the floors. This is a good example on where a design team will come up with 9 or 10 cards and two or three of them make the cut. But that's that's pretty good. I mean, two or three of them made the cut. There's two or three cards on each side here that I, that I absolutely love. But that's a typical design where lots and lots of ideas get shed because they came up with a couple of great ideas. So far, the teams have had the opportunity to design something new, and then they've had the chance to work with the art team. And for challenge number seven, we will be having the designers work with the rules team. With us today is Chris Loban, level four judge and all around great guy, and he is going to be the guest judge for challenge number seven. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Great, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. Really briefly, tell everybody out there who may not know you a little bit about your history with the card game. Uh, my history starts a long time ago in a city far, far away. I got into it, I mean, I got into it, I think, pretty much right, where it came, right when it came out. I got into it that, uh, as a tournament director and ambassador in 97, I think. In 98, I ran what I believe still stands as one of the, the, the biggest tournaments for a number of players. We had 50 players at an event around here. Then I became an ambassador. I ran Worlds in 2003, 2004. Uh, the first two 2EU two Worlds events. Been involved with it online. Uh, all throughout there. And yeah, now I'm uh, chief programmer on the Trek CC, design a whole bunch of fun toys there. Well, that's one impressive resume. It's yeah, going to be exciting to see how this this uh, whole challenge shakes out. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
What are some of the challenges that Rules has to deal with with a card game that's been around as long as Second Edition? Uh, well, with how how long it's been around, there's a lot of a lot of cards. Obviously, at this point, there's a lot of subtlety in the wording on on some of them, where one wording has been used traditionally, and you know maybe for one reason or another, a different wording has to be used down the road. And that can lead to different interpretations, which can then affect the way future cards are, are worded after that. With with all these subtle wording interpretations and uh, just the, the sheer volume of cards and possible card interactions, probably now more than ever, there's there's a lot more interaction and collaboration between the rules committee and the design team to, to make sure that all of those the subtle wordings are hammered out and to make sure that all the card interactions are working properly the way everyone wants them. Now, you've actually joined Brad on a couple of virtual expansions as an assistant director. Assistant designer, yes. Yeah, assistant designer, sorry. <laughs> what was your experience like working with Brad and working on designing cards? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I, I've been a, a dream card designer, as most people, I think, in the community these days are to some degree. Uh, for a long time, so uh, being able to sit down and work through some cards with Brad was fantastic. He and I have slightly different design styles, as I'm sure every different designer does. So, you know, everyone brings something different to the table, but uh, I enjoyed the entire process. Was there anything that you found particularly difficult about coming in and working as a designer versus maybe being a dream card designer? Or was there anything that didn't work the way you thought it was going to that you had some trouble adjusting to? No, not really. I, I think, I mean, before I, I had some advantage because before I started, did my first stint as a uh, assistant card designer, I already had admin access on the boards and was sort of able to peek in at the way that the uh, process was working for the expansion before that. So I had some idea what I was jumping into, so I think that helped a lot. Well, based on your experiences, at what point is rules brought into the process of designing a virtual expansion? From what I've seen, um, rules probably comes in about 75% of the way through. Uh, once most of the card texts are basically hammered out and have been through m many multiple rounds, probably a couple months of playtesting, we've got everything basically where we want it. Then a copy of the cards is sent to the rules committee to look over them, uh, give their cut on it, make sure that the things that are working the way that the designers want them to, make sure all the wordings are accurate and uh, all the card interactions are as expected and you know as a designer when you've worked with the cards for two months at that point you tend to have some some uh, preconceived notions about how the cards should work based on how they were conceived and how they had worked in earlier incarnations and so as you, you do minor uh, subtle wording variations throughout the versions from one playtest version to the next that original intent might get lost somewhere so getting the design team to take a look at the cards and tell the designers how they think the cards work uh, based as a set of fresh eyes looking at nothing but the card in front of them. Sometimes you find that all of a sudden that card is no longer working the way you thought it was when you designed it, and you might need to go back to the drawing board on it or hash out a new wording with the help of the, the rules committee. Now has the interaction between the rules committee and the design team become uh, shorter or longer as the sets go on? For example, does the rules committee get involved sooner now than it did in the past, or does it has that not changed, or does it even get involved later because of the amount of cards that are in the game? I know in the last couple sets, like in particular right now, we're we're finishing off uh, one set that 
we'll probably see in a week or two maybe. But uh, with that one, we tried to go to the rules committee a little earlier because there had been some issues in uh, the other recent sets that had come up maybe a little later than we wanted. So we've been trying to be a little more proactive recently to go to the rules committee a little earlier, make sure we've got everything exactly the way we want it with plenty of time to spare. Incoming transmission. Did your mother tell you the story? I did. Glory of creation is infinite diversity. And the ways our differences combine to create meaning. Infinite diversity, infinite combination. Words that are a mere shadow of its true meaning. On Friday, you will have the answers you seek. ID 4910. Sorok tells us that the story of the Yiddish has no end, but it begins here. Transfer complete. Given all the rules conversation lately, it's pretty fitting that we have a rules-based challenge for everybody, for challenge number seven. Well, for this week, I decided to throw the, uh, the design teams a bit of a, a new challenge here, where we're going to pose a hypothetical rules change. And I need to stress this is hypothetical and not an actual rules change going into the game. But so this week, the team's challenge is to create six cards that take advantage of the new rules change. And the rules change is that personnel are now present with themselves. So I'm going to get this straight. Mm -hmm. We're creating a challenge where the different teams have to create six cards that take advantage of this new rule we're not really about putting into the game. That personnel are present with themselves. Game Beverly Crusher, the Battleship Doctor, the alternate universe Beverly Crusher, says that when your TNG personnel present, who has a cost of four or more, is about to be killed by a dilemma, you may discard a card from hand to stop that personnel instead. She is a TNG personnel of cost four, so she can now save her own life. Absolutely. So it's it's a it's a subtle change, isn't it? It is a subtle change, but I think. It's, I mean, it affects a lot of cards that are already in the game and affects the way that you think of cards designing them. I mean, if I look back through some of the cards the uh, players have already designed, the uh, or two rounds ago, one of the Zindi said all your Zindi personnel get attributes plus one. Well, that Zindi is now going to boost his own attributes as well, which is something that the team didn't intend at the time. Well, that would also affect, like, William T. Riker, Battleship First Officer. While your TNG personnel was a cost of four more is present, this personnel is attributes plus two. So he would just flat out be attributes that's, plus two. That, that's an excellent example, yes. He is just 888. Yep. Except it doesn't say it on his card, but right. he is a permanent attributes plus two. On the surface, this doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but once you start digging into cards, this this could be pretty dramatic. Charlie, I disagree with you a little bit. As a, as a player who <laughs> focuses on intricacies and how to refine strategy, I think it's a huge deal. It's, uh, I mean, it changes the entire power curve on a lot of cards that are created to not affect themselves, but all of a sudden they do. Um, and they said, more importantly, in the case of this challenge, it changes the power curve of the way that players have to, it changes the way that the contestants have to think about that power curve when they're designing cards. They need to create a card that references uh, to take advantage of the rule, uh, the references being present that doesn't completely blow the power curve out of the water the way that William T. Riker does at giving himself a flat plus two. So so they're sort of almost defining the new power curve with this, in a way. Exactly. I think the idea behind this challenge is that in conjunction with the release of this expansion, 
this rule change is going to go into effect. It's it's not that this is going into effect now while you're developing these cards. It's rules is telling you while you're working on the next set, this is going to be changing, so plan for it. Is that... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's a big challenge. That's going to be really, really interesting. Now, here's the question that we're where we're thinking about the whole arcing store here. The teams are thinking in the back of their minds on how to create a larger 45-card set for later down the line. Now, these six cards that they're developing here, are they going to be... Are they going to have that rules change permanently in the final set, or should the teams also be thinking of developing these six cards to work within the existing rules as well as take advantage of this new fake rule we are implementing? I think that's a great question, and I think the teams should be prepared to go either way on that. They should definitely design the cards for fitting into their final Project Xavier, the final 45-card expansion that they'll present in two or three challenges here. Whether or not this rules change makes it into that final expansion isn't decided yet. So they need to be prepared or have in back of their mind a way to take the cards that they're putting up for this challenge and revert them back to the way that it is in the real game versus this hypothetical side state that we're creating. Now, at the same time, this could pose an extra challenge in that if we do decide to go with this rules change to make it for apply to their final 45 as well, then they'll have to keep that in mind with the rest of their, their set as well, the other 39 cards, because those cards will be affected as well. Like I said, one of the, the teams, I believe it was the Borg, had the Zindi that gave uh, attributes plus one to all Zindi present. They might need to decrease that personnel's base attributes by one to account for the fact he's now going to be giving himself a plus one. The other aspect of the this challenge that we have not touched on at all is, as we've said, when the teams get finished with their cards, they're going to have a chance to retouch and redesign their cards for the final set. How much change are we going to allow them to make to each card before uh, the, the judges start kind of penalizing them for, for changing too much? Uh, or are we going to let them completely rework any cards that they want? They have the opportunity to rework anything that they want to rework going into the final challenge as long as it meets the criteria of the final challenge. And we will be talking about that a lot in two weeks. Um, we were going to share everybody's... Everybody is going to get to see what the final criteria for this Project Xavier is going to be. Not the next podcast, but the one after that. We'll be talking quite a bit about what the final project has to look like. And they can take anything that they've they've done before for these challenges and change it. They can take it as is. They can throw it out the window and redo it. That's entirely up to them. As long as they meet the goals, of the, the design goals of the Project Xavier, then that's fine. But as they're working on these challenges, they have to meet the goals of the challenge immediately. For this one, they've got to make sure that they're taking advantage of this new ruling in their new cards. Right. Going into that final project, they could not use any of these if they chose to, or they could completely redo them, or they could use them as is if they like them and get good feedback on them. Changing their cards based on what the, the public is saying and what the judges are saying is a huge part of this process, and if they're not already working on adapting their cards, they're three weeks behind. Both teams are fairly well fairly well on top of adapting their cards from what I've seen on the boards. I would agree. Well, Neil, that's challenge number seven. What do you think? Well, like I said, it's going to be a pretty utilitarian challenge, but I think this is really a good way for the teams to see the types of 
challenges and problems that the, the designers actually face on a on a set to set basis, where they actually have to take cards and work them into the real game, figure out if they're going to work, if they're broken, if they're not powerful enough, or how, how are these new cards that we're developing working with the existing rule structure. And this is a good exercise to figure out how we can work new cards in or how we don't have to work new cards in. And I think the teams are probably going to have a lot of fun with it, but it's not a flashy challenge. It's just it's, it's a gauntlet challenge. Chris, as the judge for this challenge, do you have any particular advice or is there anything that you're going to be looking for? We've actually given the teams quite a, a wide open area compared to the last couple challenges in that there's, from a story point of view, they have all the design space in the world to work with. So I'm interested to see where they go there. They're no longer restricted to the Zindi or this specific set of images. So I'm interested to see where they go from a story point of view and what kind of cards they can come up with to tie in with the, uh, the rules change to take advantage of personnel being present with themselves. I'll tell you what I'm interested in seeing. This, this challenge is something that happens a lot in the design of a virtual expansion, which is it really represents a fork in the road. They're, they don't know right now if it's going to be the way it is right now or if they're going to have to change all of their cards for this rules change. All they know is that these six cards have to be made as if this rules change was going into the game. So they need to be planning for change. They need to be keeping something in their back pocket to pull out in case this doesn't pan out and it goes down the other road. Yeah, when we're doing a, a virtual expansion, I mean, we always have that type of thing, right? Where we have, we'll have several threads going and for talking about cycles that may or may not even make it into the set, but we want to get any notes we have down and have, have plans in case... Know, we know we don't have room for every cycle in the set, but in case one cycle doesn't work, we'll need to be ready to drop it and throw in another one entirely. Having backup plans and various, like you say, sort of fork in the road, having lots of options available so you can decide what you're actually going to put in your final 45. That's the challenge for you guys. Get to work. This is not an easy one. This is pretty wide sweeping. You only have to do six cards though, so you can focus a little bit more on making sure that you're really exploring the new design space opened up by this rules change. Yeah, we should see a little bit of creativity coming from the teams this time, because we're not constraining that in any way. We will be back next week to take a look at these submissions and give you our first impressions. As always, I'm Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Timmons. And I'm Chris Loban. And in the immortal woods of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, make it so. Everybody's got the fever That is something you all know Fever The Make It So podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org. Some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you podsafe-free from Mevio's Music Alley. For more information, visit www.musicalley.com. Make it so. The search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuing Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information, please visit www.trekcc.org, www.trekcc.org. When you kiss me, fever, if you live, you learn. Fever, till you sizzle, what a love.